This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Denmark's capital city of Copenhagen is famous for its relaxed atmosphere, great food, amazing architecture, and progressive art scene. It's located on the eastern coast of the country and connected to Sweden by Europe's longest combined road and train bridge. The city attracts visitors from all over the world for its beauty, culture, and numerous attractions. In 2008, Copenhagen celebrated the unveiling of yet another exciting exhibit. They were the proud home to the world's largest privately built submarine. The 60-foot-long, 32-ton, fully operational vessel made international headlines when it launched on May 3, 2008, and brought its designer, Peter Madsen, into the limelight. The Danish inventor, along with a large team of volunteers, had spent three years and an estimated $200,000 to build the submersible. Madsen welcomed the celebrity attention, and by all accounts, it went right to his head. According to those around him, he felt that he deserved every bit of the credit, and they were not surprised that he lavished in the spotlight. That didn't make him any friends amongst the many people who donated their time, knowledge, money, and materials to make the project a reality. In fact, Peter Madsen was rarely described by those who worked with him as a likable person, unless you had something he needed. The sub was christened the UC3 Nautilus, and during the next few years, it was used for several public events. He was also known to use it for promoting himself to lots of women, frequently inviting them on board for private tours and parties. Around the same time he unveiled the submarine, Peter Madsen started another headline-grabbing project. He was going to build a rocket to space. Copenhagen Suborbitals was started in partnership with a former NASA contractor, and their vision was to send a do-it-yourself manned rocket into orbit. The ambitious project gave an even greater boost to his fame, and according to many, to his already sizable ego. Madsen quickly leveraged his newfound popularity, and soon he was on the circuit doing public speaking engagements. He was the subject of two documentaries, released in 2009 and 2016, and had a biography published in the years between. However, behind the scenes and not always away from the rolling cameras, it was clear that he continued to be a difficult personality to work with. Eventually, a rift developed in the rocket-building partnership, and Madsen left in 2014 to go at it alone. He started Rocket Madsen Space Lab and rented a warehouse directly across the road from his former workshop. The two amateur rocket-building companies, occupying two large warehouses, only feet away from each other, was a curious sight. That's exactly what caught the attention of a journalist who had been walking around the area. Seeing a potential story, the reporter started reaching out to both companies, hoping to land interviews with the former partners turned rivals. There was no way to know at the time that the journalist would become the subject of a dark and bizarre story that shocked the small country of Denmark and the world. My name is Eric Crosby. Welcome to this episode of True.
30-year-old Kim Wall had only been a reporter for a handful of years, but she had already made a name for herself as a serious journalist. Her stories could be found in international publications like The Guardian, The New York Times, Vice, and Time Magazine. In 2016, she was recognized for her work covering climate change and nuclear weapons testing. Over time, she found herself becoming more and more interested in subjects that leaned toward alternative art, music, and media culture. A competition to get a person in space using a homemade rocket was the perfect subject for her next story. Kim Wall grew up across the water from Denmark in Sweden, in a town less than an hour's drive from Copenhagen. She went to college in London before moving to New York City, where she continued her studies. When Kim finished school, she started traveling extensively as a freelance reporter. Sri Lanka, North Korea, Cuba, Haiti, Uganda. She wrote about everything from voodoo to rebel broadcasters, but it was while she was visiting her boyfriend in Denmark in March 2017 that she first came across the two rocket startups. The story fascinated her, and since it was all happening within walking distance from where she was staying, she started working on it right away. Kim reached out to the two rivals, Copenhagen Suborbitals and Rocket Madsen Space Lab, for interviews and waited. It didn't take long for her to meet with a representative from the Copenhagen Suborbitals team, but there was no response from Peter Madsen or anyone from his team. As the weeks turned into months and still no word from Madsen, Kim's story was at a standstill. The subject was about the competitive ventures, but without interviewing the other team, her research was incomplete. Repeated attempts to contact Madsen continued to go unanswered, and it was looking more and more like the story was over before it began. During this time, Kim and her boyfriend had made plans to move to China and were excited as they prepared for the big move. With Beijing on her mind and less than a week left before the couple took off, Kim was happily surprised to receive a message from Peter Madsen. The seemingly inaccessible inventor had invited her over to his workshop for a cup of tea and a conversation. Finally, she would have a chance to ask the questions she needed for her story. The timing of the invitation was in itself a coincidence. Kim and her boyfriend were in the middle of setting up their farewell party along the waterfront not too far from his workshop. She accepted his invitation and headed the short distance over to the Rocket Madsen Space Lab warehouse. After tea and what must have been an interesting 30-minute chat with Peter Madsen, Kim returned to the barbecue where a group of their friends had already arrived. She told them that Madsen had invited her to continue the interview on a tour of the area aboard the Nautilus. Obviously excited for the opportunity, she extended the offer to go out on the sub to her boyfriend, who was tempted, but declined, opting to stay at their goodbye party. It would just be her and the celebrated inventor then. Kim headed back to meet Madsen, telling the partygoers that she would be back in a few hours. A short time later, she started sending her boyfriend pics, the submarine before they took off, her standing at the helm, a wind farm not far offshore. She sent him a quick text. It said, I'm still alive, by the way, but I'm going down now. I love you. He brought coffee and cookies, though. An hour or so later, as the submarine passed near where the party was still going on, her friends could see her in the distance, waving hello to them from the sub's tower. Someone took a picture of the sub as it sailed by, the intrepid journalist on board and appearing happy and relaxed. It was a beautiful summer evening with the sun setting behind them. It was around 8 p.m. 
Thursday, August 10, 2017, and it would be the last time anyone saw Kim Wall alive. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. The couple's farewell party ended around midnight, and no one had seen or heard from Kim since they saw her out on the water hours earlier. Concerned that there was also no sign of the submarine, her boyfriend contacted not only police, but the Danish Navy as well. The missing person report was lodged at around 2.30 a.m. Shortly after the Navy became aware that the Nautilus was missing, they launched a search off the waters of Copenhagen, but with no success. It wasn't until 10.30 in the morning when a lighthouse reported seeing the sub floating off a quiet part of the coastline over 30 miles southwest from where it had disembarked the evening before. About 30 minutes later, as a rescue boat was approaching the vessel, rescuers reported seeing Madsen standing in the tower before going below. A few minutes later, the Nautilus started sinking. That would not have been overly surprising. After all, it was a submarine but its captain had calmly jumped into the water and was swimming toward the rescue boat. It only took seconds for the sub to fill with water and completely disappear below the surface. Peter Madsen was alone when he was pulled on board and taken to shore. Awaiting reporters were understandably curious about what had happened to the sub and wanted to know why Kim Wall wasn't with him. With no comment and a thumbs up to the cameras, he was checked out by medical staff before providing authorities with a statement. Madsen claimed that he had dropped off the journalist at a harborside restaurant only a few hours after they left. He said that he then continued back out to the water alone. He told police that he had not been in contact with her since. Madsen also told police that the submarine had experienced a critical equipment failure, and that's why it sank. It had been almost 24 hours since anyone had seen or heard from Kim Wall and authorities were not convinced with Madsen's flimsy story. They may not have known the details, but they were certain something bad had happened to her, and that he had something to do with it. The following day, Saturday, August 12, 2017, Peter Madsen was arraigned on the charge of involuntary manslaughter while authorities continued investigating. The next day, Sunday, August 13th, a crew recovered the Nautilus from the sea floor and returned it to the Copenhagen waterfront. The forensic teams immediately went to work and found evidence of foul play. They found blood patterns inside the sub that were inconsistent with the events described by Madsen. 
It was a week later, on August 21st, when a cyclist discovered a female torso on a beach close to where the Nautilus had been intentionally sunk. The torso had been weighed down by a metal pipe and was missing both arms, legs, and the head. New information about the mysterious disappearance of a Swedish journalist, her name is Kim Wall. There is no confirmation on the identity yet, but police searching for Wall say they found a headless torso washed up along a Copenhagen beach. Totally bizarre. For more on this, let's bring it It didn't take long for DNA tests to confirm that the remains were in fact those of the missing journalist. We have secured a handbrush and a toothbrush to ensure her DNA. We also found blood in the submarine, and there is a match. Prosecutors added another charge to the growing list, indecent handling of a corpse. Peter Madsen was in court again a couple of weeks later, on September 5th, for a pretrial hearing. The court had been provided with his original statement, claiming that Kim Wall had been safely dropped off, but they were about to hear a dramatically different story. He told them that actually he hadn't dropped her off as he had claimed earlier, but that an unfortunate accident on board the sub had killed her. He explained that the heavy 150-pound iron hatch had fallen unexpectedly, striking her on the head. Madsen told the court that he couldn't wake her, and when he realized that she was dead, in maritime tradition, he buried her at sea. A tragic case for sure, he told them, but absolutely nothing sinister. There was no admission of guilt. A month later, on October 6th, police divers combing the water found a plastic bag weighed down with a metal pipe. In it, they discovered a head and two legs, along with clothing and a knife. Dental records and DNA tests would later confirm these were the remains of Kim Wall. Her arms were found a month and a half later, as well as a saw that investigators believe was used to dismember the body. An autopsy revealed that there was no trauma to the skull, as Madsen had indicated was the cause of death. If she had been struck in the head by a 150-pound hatch, there was no evidence of it at all. The autopsy also revealed multiple stab wounds found on her lower torso. Investigators also discovered disturbing content on Peter Madsen's work computer. On it, they found downloaded videos of strangulation, decapitation, and mutilation. Police found almost 50 of these disturbing videos, often referred to as snuff films, and believed that most, if not all of them, were real. Web searches, apparently only hours before Kim arrived at the sub, showed him entering words like agony and beheading. They also checked the activity on his cell phone. Outgoing text messages showed that Madsen had invited not just Kim Wall, but several women to the Nautilus that evening. The inquisitive reporter was the only one to accept. He sent another text message to his ex-wife, this one about 20 minutes after he brutally murdered his guest. Quote, I am on an adventure on the Nautilus. All is well, sailing in calm seas and moonlight, not diving. Kisses and hugs to the cats. The inventor's story changed again when authorities informed him that there were no head injuries. On October 30th, he told them that actually what had happened was that Kim had died from poisonous fumes due to a mechanical issue. It happened while she was below and the hatch was closed. The issue, he said, also caused the hatch to seal, and he was unable to open it because of the pressure created. In this new version, Madsen did admit that he dismembered the body, 
but continued to insist that he had not killed her. He explained that he tried to pull her body out of the sub with a rope, but couldn't. The only way, he decided, was to do it in pieces. Danish inventor Peter Madsen has admitted to dismembering Swedish journalist Kim Wall on board his submarine in August and dumping her body parts in the sea. That's what Danish police said in a statement earlier this Monday. Madsen, though, still denies killing Wall, telling police she died from carbon monoxide poisoning inside the submarine while he was on the deck of the vessel. Madsen told police that he wanted to spare her family the graphic details which is why he hadn't said anything earlier. In a statement, his lawyer said that Madsen was pleased that he was able to provide further clarification on the case, but that again, there was no homicide committed. However, police weren't buying it, and on January 16, 2018, they announced that the charge had been upgraded to premeditated murder. The list of physical evidence uncovered during the investigation left them with no doubt that he had planned to kill someone that night. In a list better suited for a horror film, Madsen had brought aboard metal pipes, a hunting knife, a handsaw capable of cutting through bone, plastic zip ties, a sharpened screwdriver, and bondage straps. Investigators could not be certain exactly how Kim died due to the condition of her remains, but they were confident that she had been held for hours before he killed her. When the highly anticipated trial started on March 8, 2018, the list of charges included aggravated sexual assault, first-degree murder, and mutilating a corpse. Now, let me just uh, bring you uh, news coming from Copenhagen that the Danish man accused of murdering a female journalist aboard his homemade submarine and then cutting up her corpse is on trial in the city. Not a surprise to many, 47-year-old Peter Madsen entered a plea of not guilty on all three charges. What was surprising was the incredibly strange testimony he would go on to give throughout the case. Equating the horrific snuff films found on his computer to Hollywood movies, he said that instead of affecting him negatively, they actually made him empathize with the suffering of women. At one point during the trial, after describing in gruesome detail how he removed the body from the sub, he looked out and apologized for making it sound like a cheap movie. To make his testimony even stranger, he would often refer to himself in the third person, saying things like, quote, Peter is happily sharing his dreams. He said that Kim was having the time of her life aboard the Nautilus, and when she died, he tried to, quote, reboot her. He told the court that when he couldn't reboot her, he was so distraught that he considered killing himself. It was only after lying next to her body for a couple of hours that he decided to honor her with a sea burial. The judge clearly did not side with his defense that Kim Wall had died of an unfortunate accident. Quote, We are talking about a cynical and planned sexual assault and brutal murder of a random woman who, in connection with her journalistic work, had accepted an offer to go sailing in the defendant's submarine. The judge added that Madsen had, quote, shown an interest for the killing and maiming of people, and has shown an interest for impaling. On April 25, 2018, the court found him guilty of all charges and handed down a life sentence. Peter Madsen showed no emotion as he processed the verdict. The eccentric inventor who captured the public's imagination with his grand projects and charismatic presence 
harbored a dark side that no one saw coming. When it finally did show itself, the extraordinary brutality of it all was hard to believe, let alone try to understand. In a country where homicide is almost unheard of, Denmark captured the world's attention for one of the most grisly and surreal crimes ever. True is a production of Imperative Entertainment. This episode of True was researched and written by me. The executive producer is Jason Hoke of Imperative Entertainment. Cover art and design was created by Jenna Sullivan. True was created and is produced by me. Comments? Questions? Get a hold of us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.